Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that shocked everyone. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were true crime, history, and the paranormal me. Now, who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome to Haunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and that's it for right now. Just me. When we originally sat down with Bob Taft to discuss the Dorothy Jane Scott case, we had no idea where that conversation was going to lead. So we just started and recorded, and what we ended up with was two hours of conversation. So what we did was split that into three different sections. So what you'll hear today is part three of our series on Dorothy Jane Scott and the second portion of our conversation with Inspector Bob Taft. But before we get started, if you've been listening to our series on Dorothy Jane Scott and you have any questions or any comments, please DM us on any of our social media or email us at huntinghistorypodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't listened to part one and two of The Disappearance of Dorothy Jane Scott, please go back and listen to those episodes before you try and catch up here. The next thing that happened, so everyone's just kind of like, where's Dorothy, where's Dorothy? Yes. But then by 4.30 in the morning, is it 4.30 that morning? It is. Or is it a full 24 hours? Because a lot of people say the meeting was on May 27th. Some people say it was on May 28th and that her car was found on the 29th. Was her car found four and a half hours after she went missing? Yes. Okay. So she goes missing. No one files a report because you can't. She's an adult. Correct. Well, the, the sequence of events is... UCIPD says, hey, go home. She'll probably return. From there, or after Dorothy didn't return, Pam and Conrad contact Orange Police Department to try oh, they and did. file a missing person report. Okay. And Orange Police Department said, this is not our jurisdiction. It's UCI. So they referred them back to UCI. So Pam and Conrad took this very seriously, and I don't think anyone's ever portrayed them. I think everyone's always sort of portrayed them as lackadaisical. Like, oh, she went missing. Let's call someone else to pick us up, whatever. So they actually, that night, Conrad's obviously very sick too. Yes. And so they call the Orange Police. They get back probably to John Kaikola's house, right? Uh, I don't think it was ever said definitively where said where they went. We're just going to assume that. Just uh, it, it could be that. It could be Pam's house or it could be Dorothy's parents' house. We're not exactly sure. Okay. But they contact the Orange Police, tried to file a report. Correct. Nothing happened. Then at 4.30 in the morning, the Santa Ana Police. Uh, I don't know if it was... That early in the morning. The uh, newspaper said 429 a.m. They got a phone call to the Santa Ana PD that a car was on fire in an alley in Santa Ana. I want to say that they didn't receive a phone call. I've read the Santa Ana reports. I want to say it's a little later, around 6 okay. give or take. Interesting. That a passerby contacted two Santa Ana police officers on the street and said, uh, I think there's a house fire over on Rate, I think the, yeah, the street is. Yeah. So the two officers respond to the alleyway, and that's when they discover Dorothy's car on fire. Okay, so how long did it take between the time that they found the car on fire for them to connect the car to Dorothy? Uh, I want to say it was all concurrent, because if you read the Santa Ana Police Officers Report, it talks about the incident at UCI Hospital. Okay, so it went pretty quickly. Yes. From UCI to Orange, back to UCI, and then to Santa Ana. Yes. So now there's three different agencies technically involved, correct? Correct. And then because her parents live in Anaheim, now the Anaheim police, that's who Jacob calls, right? Is the Anaheim police department? Uh, or is it no. Santa Ana contacts Anaheim, Anaheim contacts Jacob and Vera? Santa Ana contacted UCI. Okay. So how did Anaheim PD get involved? That's where her remains were discovered. 
So they were not involved because... Initially, they were not I involved. thought they were involved in the calls at the house. They weren't? No, that was all UCI. That was all UCI. Yeah. So you... And you do have UCI's files. That's my I big do. thing. You do. Okay, because when I called them, were, the guy on the phone was like, no, we purged all our files. Yes, I have copies of all the reports as full. Very, very initial. Related to, because we took over the murder investigation. After her remains were found. Yes. So her car is found burning in an alley, and somehow, I guess the paperwork or the license plate isn't burned enough that they can trace the car back to Dorothy. Correct. The Santa Ana police, obviously her license plate or her registration or whatever it is. Yes. And they report... You said it's literally all at the same time, like Correct. they're notifying and I, and Orange I think or UCI. The sequence of events was Santa Ana discovers the car belongs to Dorothy. They contact the address that the car comes registered back to. They probably talk to her parents, and her parents are the ones that say our daughter's missing. Okay, so it wasn't, they weren't notified. They didn't know when the car was burning. It wasn't because there was a bolo out on this no. car or that. Okay, so they're just like, hey, we found your car burning, and they're like, that's our daughter's car, and she's missing. Okay. Correct. So now, th- now it's become an investigation. Because prior mm. to that, it was not an investigation? It was not. And then is the car burning, did that turn it into the investigation? That obviously heightened the sense of uh, urgency on the whole thing. And yes. it's still UCI, the UCI police that Correct. are investigating the disappearance. Yeah. Now, initially, the police had told Jacob to keep it quiet. Basically, don't get the press involved. It would, Correct. in their words, hinder the investigation. Why is that? Why would... I can't speculate for what they were thinking at the time. So there's no notes that explain why they would decide to keep that quiet. No, no. And and I know with us, at least in my experience, we often reach out to the public for assistance because, you know, there's things that the public may know of or put pieces of the puzzle together that we're unaware of at the time. So we... Do you do that initially, though? Because they immediately told them not to contact the media. Would you have said that, like, let us get our bearings and then do what you want? Correct. Or would it what, immediately be like, don't do it? Uh, our speculation, again, I can't speculate what they were. And, Thinking you know, times then. were a little bit different back then, so maybe the thought process was different. I know we always put bolos out for missing people. Right. So, And those bolos are public information. Correct. Those are for everyone to see. Yes. Okay. So we don't know why they would tell. But we do know Jacob was told to keep it quiet, don't have it in the paper yet. It'll hinder our investigation. Correct. So the police at that time had information that only the killer would have. Yes and no. It's hard to say. I mean, they what felt they like knew. the scarf was that. They, they felt the scarf may have been that. And then there was also the phone call. Okay, so, that, so we haven't gotten to that yet. So to give the whole story about Dorothy, we have to go back before her disappearance, before her car was found, is that Dorothy started to receive phone calls at work. Now, they've always said at work, not at home, that Correct. she was getting phone calls at work. The, the phone calls initially started out relatively nice, like, you're beautiful, you're pretty, I love you, blah, 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 nice things. But she didn't know who it was. She did not recognize the voice. And okay. this is, it's a very significant that she didn't recognize the voice. And, and I don't know if it's in the file or not, if you can tell me, did they say that the voice sounded like it was trying to be disguised? Because I've never read anything. That they, they did not like say it was trying to be disguised. And, he, and again, it's hard to know what was known at the time and what has been, added been discovered later. since. But I remember reading saying that Dorothy thought that she... It sounded familiar. It sounded familiar, but she couldn't put a face to the, she couldn't. To the It voice. wasn't someone that she talked to often. Correct. So those phone calls went on, from what I've read, a couple months prior to her disappearance. I so say much so that she considered October. buying a gun. Okay. Well, then, she did take self-defense classes She took as well. self, yeah. But she initially wanted to buy a gun, but decided not to because she didn't want to have a gun in the same house with Sean. Correct. 
So then she started taking karate classes. Yes. So the calls went on long enough prior to May, her disappearance in May that she had actually gotten frightened enough that she started taking self-defense. Yes. And she never filed a report with the police department? There's no record of that, right? No, she did not. And that makes me so sad. That's the difference between now and back then. She would not have thought to call the police and tell them that she was being stalked or that someone was calling. I mean, now you would do it immediately. Yeah. You would. I mean, I I call Bob for everything. (laughs) If there's anything weird, I'm like, Bob, is this weird? Tell me if this is weird. But back then, I don't, you would, you, like, you only your, words are hard today. Only your inner circle would have known that this was even happening. Like now it would be posted on social media and everybody would know and be kind of like watching your back. But back then it would have only been her family that would have known. And her mom didn't find out until it had gone on for a while. Correct. And the calls initially that had started out still creepy, but relatively kind. They weren't ominous at first from what I understand. And then they became ominous. Like at one point he called her at work and told her to go look at her car. And there was a dead rose on it. That was that's the story that's out in the in the public. But we don't know if that. But we don't know if that actually occurred. A lot of the people that I've talked to, and in, uh, during a lot of the interviews, nobody ever confirmed that account. But they and did say that the calls cycled between nice. him being vi- nice and flattering, and him being psychotic, almost like, delusional. Yes, yeah, psychotic. Now there is uh, in, and I found this in the newspaper article, and it's in every crime blogger kind of thing about the story, and. It's in every podcast for sure that one of the phone calls was, now you're going to come my way, and when I get you alone, I will cut you up into little bits so no one will ever find you. So it went from really, really, like, mild kind of, like, flattering to, like, psychotic, I'm going to cut you up into little bits. Do we know for a fact that that was one of the real phone calls she got? Don't know. That's just based on witness statements. Okay. So the other thing I have to ask you, I listened to, and I never listen to podcasts on a story that I'm doing before I do the story. And I did this time because I was getting so much information from you and from Linda. I mean, you don't really give me any information, but you answer my questions when I ask them. Um, I was getting information from her son, her, her own son. And other podcasts were kind of reporting different things. And one podcast actually has a recording of a man saying these things. Can you, there's no such thing as a recording. There's no existence no. of a recording. No. Nope. You know that recording ca- caused one woman to call in and to the, the podcast and say that it was her dad? Huh. That she believed it was her dad. So prior to her disappearance and her car being found on fire, she was definitely being stalked by someone. Yes. And then after that night that her car was found, that morning that her car was fa- found, her mom started getting the phone calls at home. Yes. He, Relatively quickly. Wh- whoever was calling was making calls to the house, yes. and asked, So initially it was only to her at work, and then she disappeared and it came to the mom at home. The mom was getting the phone calls. And the, the first phone call that I read in the paper was someone asked her, like right when she answered the phone, said, is Dorothy there? And she said no, and he goes, that's because I have her, or something like that. Yes. So, and that continued and continued where the mom was legitimately getting phone calls once a week from the same man. Now, the mom insists that they're the same man. Yes. And I skipped part of the story. Let's go back to the fact that Jacob was told not to put it out in the paper by investigators. He basically said, fuck that, a week into it, and said, the public needs to know. Like, someone saw something that night. Correct. Which is very reasonable for him to think that. 
It was a hospital. And I can tell you, the road that that parking lot was on, it wasn't like a dirt road. It was, I mean, it would have definitely been less busy at two o'clock in the morning or midnight, 11 o'clock when he came out of, I think he came out. Uh, it was from, right around midnight. It was when he came out from yes. getting his prescription. It would have been a slower road for sure, but it would not have been an empty road. It wasn't like an old country road. The no. city drive's always been a busy street. Correct. So the dad calls a newspaper, has an article in the paper that describes all the things that happened that night. The next day, Pat Riley from the Orange County Register got a phone call from a man saying he basically told, well, he mentioned the scarf, one thing. He mentioned UCI, right? Yes. And then he mentioned one other thing. He mentioned Conrad, the spider bite. That's what it was. He mentioned the spider bite, which nobody at the time knew that night what Conrad's issue was, that they knew that he had some kind of infection, but they didn't know it was a spider bite. So the person on the phone knew it was a spider bite and knew that she, what color scarf she was wearing and that it was at, she was at UCI. And he claimed on the phone to, that he caught her cheating on him with another man. She denied it. He knew she was lying. He killed her anyways. So he basically confessed on the phone. Yes. Now, so yeah, there was, and again, I, I'm not sure of the time frame between when the incident occurred and when the article phone call out. occurred and the article came out. And I don't know, there's no copies of the, the news articles that outline what was contained in the article. Obviously, it was somebody that knew something that was going on, but we don't know if that information was available publicly or if that information was only known to her circle. Okay, because the newspaper article that Jacob is quoted in, he says that nobody knew about the spider bite, nobody knew about the scarf. He, he literally says that. But anybody that who had been at that meeting, anybody who had been in the hospital that night, so the person calling the Orange County Register does not necessarily have to be the same person that was calling Dorothy before and calling Vera after. Correct. And I want to say that the person that called the Orange County Register was described as having a somewhat Southern accent. And a more feminine voice. Like very descriptive. Like Pat Riley was very descriptive about what the voice was. Yes. And I feel like Vera, even after getting phone calls for four years, she endured those phone calls ever described it as being Southern or feminine? No. Okay, so I'm confused. We're saying after, almost immediately after they found the car burning, mom received a phone call. No, it was it? It was within two weeks. It was not immediately after. Okay, so when did mom get a phone call and this person called her in a country register? It can second, it can, what's that word? Oh, in the Concurrently, yeah. Relatives. Concurrently. So why are we saying that it can't be the same person? It's not that it can't be the same person, but the voices were never described the same way. Pat Riley was very descriptive. He's a reporter. That's what his job is, is to notice these things. He was descriptive about the voice, that it had sort of a southern lilt, that it had sort of a feminine or soft sound, where Dorothy and Vera never described it that way, but then again, they've never described anything, really. Correct. Other than Dorothy saying that it was familiar, but she couldn't place it. So what we're speculating is that this southern accent person called the Orange County Register, who potentially is the one that could have done it. Maybe he has information. The person that's calling the mom only started calling the mom after that person realized she was gone. Right. And he wanted to be a part of it. See, that's the whole conflict. See, to me, but I'm doing it opposite. I think the person who called the Orange County Register was a crackpot who was trying to get famous by calling the Orange County Register. I think the person who was calling Dorothy and the person that was calling her mom is the one who was the one who took her and murdered her. Got it. Personally. 
Because that was a personal connection. Mm-hmm. Calling the register is a distant connection. Correct. And it's a, it's a publicity thing. Like someone reading the paper can call in. Like just the same thing with every article that comes out about the Zodiac Killer. They get like a million phone calls. So I really feel like the call that, and this is just an opinion and it could be totally wrong. It has too much information. And aside from that, Dorothy was not dating anyone Correct. when she went missing. So the fact that this person who is following her knows what she's wearing, knows what her daily ins and outs are, suddenly is saying she's seen someone when all the people closest to her are saying she's not. Right. So that's why I've never put a lot of credence on the phone call to Orange County Register. Now, the phone calls to her mom and to her are personal. They're relatable. That's sort of part of the whole entire thing. Like, he controls her, and he continues to control her family. But none of the phone calls to the mom after Dorothy went missing were ever specific. They were not long enough to say anything other than, I got her, I killed her. Like, he would say specific things, like, I killed her, she's gone. And she would never transcribe what specifically was said during any of those phone calls. The beer never did. Now, the police tried to trace the phone calls. Correct. Did they try to record the phone calls? Yes. And they... The recordings, whatever happened to those recordings? There were never any recordings. Because it was too short. Like, he would call and say... Well, no. When they would put the recording devices on the phone, there was never any phone calls after that. Oh, really? And But she did get phone calls for a long period of time, though. Yes. And then they come get the equipment, and then she'd get the phone calls again, or... It just, it seems really convoluted, the way, like... It is very convoluted, and, I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking out loud is it personally I find it strange that if this person is calling every week for an extended Wednesday, period of time. Wednesday, they say specifically every Wednesday. And then when they put the recording devices on, there's never a phone call after that again. And then they take it off and then there's and a then phone they call take again. It so part of me thinks that, and again, I'm just thinking out loud, is perhaps that was the way of mom keeping interest in the investigation Oh. By saying that she's getting these continued phone calls. You think there is a question whether she was getting these phone calls? I, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm just snowballing. You know, there's no, I, I have no reason to doubt her, but just my investigative thought and process. And we've asked Sean if those phone calls happened, but I don't think Sean, well, Sean was four. Correct. He, his, he doesn't know. But and, several people have said that the phone calls occurred prior to her disappearance. But not after? Only, only the calls to her mom were after. And? Or to her to her home. To her home. Yes. And her brother, I know her brother said that he answered one of the calls one time. And then Jacob insists in a newspaper article that they got a phone call late one night. And I want to say... It wasn't like the there normal There was time. one where normally it was the mom that answered the calls. Yes. And then there was one where he answered he the answered calls. He answered because it came in late. And then, it, and then apparently the caller hung up and then they didn't receive phone calls after that for... For an extended period of time. Right. And Jacob has always taken that because when the person called and said, is Dorothy there? And this was years. This was literally four years after, almost four years after she had gone missing. He said, you have the wrong number. And he believes that's the reason why that call never came in again. Where other people surmise that the reason the call never came in again is because he answered the phone. Which, to me, would lead me to believe it's someone that was in Jacob's circle also. Right. Which again, you could have recognized the voice, yes. Right. And and Jacob is um in Dorothy's world. She worked for the stores. He owned one of the stores and he still maintained the stores. He did all the maintenance on the buildings. So anybody that would come into contact more so with Jacob would definitely come in t- contact with Dorothy as mm-hmm. the bookkeeper. Correct. And we keep calling her Dorothy. She actually went by Dot. She didn't go by the name Dorothy. 
Um, and I feel like I'm being really formal after looking through all her personal things. It's kind of weird to call her, not know her name. But the general consensus is that for four years, these calls like went on for a certain period of time yes. to her family. And then on August 6, 1984, more than four years after Dot disappeared, a man working for Pacific Bell, um, he was digging trenches for... Did they put the wires, the cables underground back in 1984? Is that when they started doing it? Uh, I know that they were doing... I, I want to say there was a working on a culvert in okay. the area. So I don't know if they were actually laying phone lines or what, but there was construction going on in the area. And he, ironically, this is so creepy, and that's why I like, you probably shouldn't say shit out loud. He told the guy driving the equipment, be careful of dead bodies. And then it, the, it wasn't a skid stair, but whatever he was driving, drove over like little trees and bushes, and it literally turned up body uh, bones. And uh, I want to say they said, found the skull first. That's, is that what it, yeah. So he, they stopped, called the Anaheim police because it was Correct. in Anaheim. This was on Santa Ana Canyon Road in Anaheim. And it's hard to explain. It's a relatively rural area. Like right there, there's nothing built. But right next door, it is houses. And we determined that those houses right above there were built after. Uh, I don't think or, they were built before. I I, I want to say I think the houses were there at the time, but obviously all the commercial stuff like was the not there. Was not. But the houses across the street we know were there. Yes. And it's rural, but not rural. It's a very well-driven road, and it even was back in the eighties. Well-driven, but the population back then was much smaller. much smaller for sure in for that sure. area. They called the Anaheim PD. The Anaheim PD came in and. And we have been to this location numerous times now. Sean had never been to the location where his mother's remains were found. So Haley, Bob, Christy, if you remember Christy, she is my friend who is a psychic medium that helped us on Carrie's case and the Deborah Pajolka case. She was with us that day. And um, we were going off of newspaper articles and you had pictures and there are telephone poles that are still there that were there 41 years ago. But we couldn't specifically determine where her remains were found. Like we, the general area, we yes. figured it out. Correct. Uh, we hiked for like two hours that day. That was insane. Hiked is off a normal it's road. <laughs> well, okay, twice. Like it's in dirt, sure, but there's also like 50 cars for a minute me. driving on the road. For me, that hikes, I don't, it was a, like a hike. I looked up once, you called me and you're like, look up and you were at the very top of the, that hill and I was mm-hmm. like, what, what are you doing up there? Which also just had a flat road to get to. Yeah, yeah and you did the same thing. Like, <laughs> yes. you didn't hike, he didn't climb a mountain. <laughs> it wasn't hiking, you guys. It just was not. But it was, it was just dirt. It, that's rural to me. Sure. That's, but we were there for a long time and I think we determined the general area yes. where her remains were found. And then we went back again. When we went to the area the second time, we went when they flew out the crime blogger on the TV show that we, that we were that's coming up in October. I'm not going to give the date until I see it. I think that I am going to be in about negative three seconds of it. Bob is in the entire hour episode. They flew the crime blogger out to California. So we took him to the remains too with Sean mm-hmm. and went over the brains. And then it's kind of sad because we're never going to know exactly where her, her remains are found. But part of that reason is, is they had determined that her remains had been there at least two years, 1982. Yes. And the way that they determined that is because a fire went through the area yes. in 1982. So we don't know if her... Did they ever pinpoint closer to when her remains were no. left on that road? Okay. And the second thing, and this is this is a contingency, and this is why the crime blogger actually is mad at me right now, is he said I was um, confrontational about this, that Dorothy's remains, her bones, and there were only like seven bones that were found, like her femur, her arm, her skull, was... 
I don't know all of them, but it uh, wasn't. I want to say some, the majority was, of the long bones and her skull. I don't think the mandible, but the upper part of her. But they did. They did. Her, her teeth were there. Her teeth were, were in the skull, so that's how they. Teeth to do. That's how they identified her. Right? Yes. Okay. Now, this is the bone of contentions, for lack of better words. That was a terrible way to say it, but is that a dog's bones were found. Now, I'm not going to say with. Well, I'm going to say with. Yes, dog bones are found with Dorothy's bones. The thing is, Dorothy's bones were not buried. They were top, They were on top of the, the soil, correct. correct? The dog's bones were on top of the soil. They could have been in, in you, like you and I argue about it, and I guess I, argue, I didn't realize I argued with a crime blogger about it, and I didn't realize that I felt so strongly about it. And and I thinking about it last night when I was going over this case again is I do feel strongly. I feel very strongly in my soul, and I have no psychic abilities. I have no sixth sense that the dog is related to her. And the reason that I feel that way is because I feel like whoever buried her there used the dog as a ruse. That if anybody would have pulled over and saw that he was out there, like she was only 30 yards from the, the road. Correct. So not very far into 30 yards or 30 feet? 30 feet. 30 feet off the road, which is not very far. Correct. So if someone was driving by or a sheriff's department or a police department would have stopped and said, hey, what are you doing digging out here at night or dumping, doing something at night, he could have used the ruse that, oh, I'm burying my dog. And that's why I've always felt that the dog bones were related. Now, you disagree, and the crime blogger disagrees with me, too, that the I, well, bones are I'll completely never, unrelated. I'll never say I disagree. Okay. However, there's, you know, there's, there's multiple explanations for it. Uh, I know one of the early things that I looked into was because it is a somewhat rural area, is it truly a dog skull or is it a coyote skull? No, but they, they did. Correct. We've okay. confirmed that it's, that it's, is a, dog a, it's a dull dog. But not what kind of dog? But not is. what kind of dog. Correct. Is there any way to find out now? Um, well, I've researched that and, and I'll just say we've been unable to determine that at this time. Okay. Do so, you, you still have it though? You can't tell me that either. I can't tell you that. Okay. So what we can use is that they have definitively determined that it was a dog. It was not a dog. A coyote. Yes. Well, and the other thing too is, uh, again, the, the area where it was recovered was, there was a lot of brush. So even at the time, possibly, you may not have been able to see what was in the brush at the time. Okay. So, like I said, or, you know, perhaps the the dog was crossing the street and got hit by a car. Okay, see, you that was that was absolutely Jacob. never know. Her dad said, because the, the newspaper reporters made a big deal about the dog bones, and Jacob said that's full, like, he was, no nonsense, obviously, said that's, Bullish. Um, it's a it's a main road. It's a busy road. Like there's no stoplights or back then definitely was no stop signs or stoplights. It was just a solid road where people could have been traveling quickly. That dogs got hit there all the time. It could have been thrown there, anything. And again, I don't think the the crime blogger and I bring him up because he did a ton of research on this and I want to give respect to that. He he said that I definitely was confrontational was the word that he used <laughs> about the dog bones because. He's like you, where like I'm not gonna say the dog bones, and and maybe that's smart because you have a lot more experience than you. But and it's weird that I'm even saying this because I tend that's why my interview is not going to be used on the TV show, is because they kept asking for theories and thoughts, and I typically refuse to put those out in the public, not because I don't have confidence in my own theories or thoughts, but because I feel like if you do that, 
if someone truly knows something, like they really do know something, they were there, they saw something. I don't want my opinion to affect whether they repeat their information because they're like, oh no, she, she thinks Correct. it's this, so I'm not going to tell you anything. Yes. So I always try and keep my opinions to myself. And I, when he said I was like confrontational about it, I was like, what are you talking about? I, thinking about it, I, I think I am. Because I feel in my soul that those dogs had something to do with that. Well, there's always theories. And, and you know, any any good investigator will theorize. Like a hypothesis. A bunch of different possibilities. You know, just like we're doing right now. Right. Are the dogs dog bones related or are they not related? So, but it, it was do you want to say why you also think the dog bones are related? Well, yes. But I, but I want to preface that with saying that I've always felt that they were. And then when I found out further information, then it confirmed it more for me that right. the dogs that the dog meant something. But I've always felt that way, just to go on the record. Um, the, the second part that I want to talk about is when her remains were found, the family got another phone call. Yes. Saying, like, yeah, now, now you know she's dead. Like, I don't remember what they said. I can't remember either, and I don't think there was actually a transcription of what was talked about. But then but that they, was it, right? But yes, the phone calls did start again for a, a period of time. It was, like, a short period of time, though. Yes. It, wasn't, it didn't continue, continue. And I, and I can't recall if they said it was the similar voice or if it was a different voice. voice. Okay. I, don't, I don't recall. But the general consensus, just to do a general consensus, Dorothy, nor Vera, nor Jacob knew the voice. There no. was never any hint of who they thought it was. Correct. Okay, so now we're going to go to the suspects. And I've never been able to determine, were there actual suspects on this case? There were persons of interest, yes. No real suspects. No, nobody that was identified as a suspect. Okay. If you or anyone you know has any information on the disappearance and murder of Dorothy Jean Scott, please call the Orange County Sheriff's Department at 714-647-7055. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so be sure to like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode, links to our Patreon page, and all of our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. Remember, the living are far scarier than any guest.